a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now with the big breaking news is John Solomon, the founder of Just the News, also editor-in-chief at the Washington Times, formerly, and so much more. John, you got some big stuff, first of all, about the police and protesters at January 6th. Tell us about it. Yeah, we're learning. It's two years and two months since the riots occurred, and we're beginning to now learn about things that have been kept under uh, under a sheet for a long time. Um, in a court filing that was filed this week and that very few people noticed, federal prosecutors in Washington, D.C. acknowledged that there is body cam footage of three metropolitan D.C. police officers, one in uniform, two in, in plain clothes, who were outside gathering evidence uh, as the uh, Capitol riot began unfolding. That they were consorting with the protesters. They were chanting along with them, uh, saying things like, uh, 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 our house, not your house, or go, 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 as people stormed into the Capitol. Uh, so, John, are you saying they were inducing them, they were inducing the crowd to come in and waving them in? We can't see the video footage because the government wants to keep the American public from seeing it. But we do have the description of the prosecutors. It's at 2.15 in the afternoon. That is when the Capitol is officially being breached. And these officers are yelling, at least one of them is yelling, go, go, go. And some of the other officers, according to the prosecution filing, this is the U.S. government's account, are, are chanting USA, USA, and other chants that the rioters were using as they were beginning to breach the Capitol Without seeing the footage, it's hard for us to know what the in, in, in context is. But this is the first time that the government has acknowledged that there is such video footage. And here is a big question. The, the prosecutors make an odd statement saying that these D.C. prosecutors, these D.C. cops were there to gather evidence. Why were D.C. cops on the Capitol grounds? Why were they gathering evidence for an event that no one knew was going to happen? And why, and why were they plain closed? closed. Plain clothes. And I've been told, John, I've been told that some of the agitators within the group were other uh, possible federal agents. Well, we've got a lot more explaining to do to the American public with this new revelation. And here's the big thing. The government won't let us see this video footage. Now, we get to see the video footage in Nashville within hours of, of those officers acting where the government has waited two years and two months to tell us about this footage, and they do not want the court to release this. This is going to become an epic battle in, in Washington. And it comes on the same day that I had a chance to interview um, a speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and he revealed something else that we've learned, also video footage related, also January 6th related. Kevin McCarthy told me in an exclusive interview last night that uh, Republican investigators have gone through the January 6th committee's files and they have learned that the January 6th committee last May accused Congressman Barry Loudermilk of Georgia of casing the January 6th, uh, uh, the Capitol, the day before the January 6th protests with January 6th defendants, something that later was disproven. But what Kevin McCarthy told us is the committee knew at the moment they made that statement in the later letter that it was false, that federal prosecutors, video footage, and other witnesses had confirmed that there was no casing. These weren't January 6th defendants. And still, the committee put out a false story to the American people. So two videos one story about January 6th, the narrative is changing very quickly.
John and I are shaking our heads because it is outrageous that they knew this and they put people through this. John, you called it Mind, from the beginning. Mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. And you said from the beginning that there were people in there that basically were let in. We saw it on the videotape. And now that they were falsely accusing a member of Congress, uh, this is just, it, it's despicable. The question is, will they set the record straight? I know that they're going full steam ahead, by the way, on January 6th. You have some news also, John Solomon, about Mike Pence. Yeah, just happened a little bit ago. Uh, Mike Pence will have to testify in the federal criminal investigation of January 6th, specifically the federal investigation into Donald Trump and the White House's actions. Uh, A judge ruled that just a little bit ago. Uh, Mike Pence was raising concerns about executive privilege. Those privileges have been pierced by the judge. Absent this getting to the Supreme Court, it looks like the former vice president will be forced to testify, as many others have over the last several months as the executive privilege has repeatedly been pierced in the January 6th and classified documents case. So a big moment uh, there as well that is going on for sure. Wow. And uh, that is uh, uh, crazy. Uh, Anything else you want to tell the American people? I do. I want to encourage people who uh, want to know what really happened yesterday in Nashville to watch uh, the unedited version of the six minutes of video footage that the Nashville Metropolitan Police Department made public a little bit ago. We edit it in such a way that you can go on the journey with the two officers who breached the school and went in and neutralized the shooter. Now, we got rid of the graphic stuff. You don't see victims' bodies. You don't see the final shooting of the shooter, the neutralization. But you go along on this extraordinary journey, and you, you see the heroism, the speed, and the precision by which these officers went in and saved probably dozens of lives by their action. Every time we hear of a protest about a police officer, we hear about uh, a Derek Chauvin, an officer who'd gone wrong. There are a million officers like these two gentlemen who went into the uh, school yesterday with hardly any equipment, just a gun and, and a bulletproof vest. And they went in to take out save a, the kids. a deadly situation. To save the kids. Now, to, just they to did. get everybody, everything straight with our, with our listeners, that this person went to, went to that school previously. Yes. And he had converted uh, to a transgender? Yeah, just recently. And it turns out, by the way, today came out that that person got seven guns legally, but had a history of mental illness. So there are so many questions. There's so many. And the fact that he became transgender, I mean, do they get all kinds of of chemical uh, injections that might affect their brain a little bit? We yeah, don't know that yet. That's that. one of the things that we as reporters are asking. What was this uh, uh, biological female identifying as a male? Was she seeking uh, treatment? Was she under any chemical treatment, any surgeries? Uh, we are told that she was being treated for some mental illness and emotional disturbances. We don't know more than that yet. But we do know one thing. There were two officers. One's named Rex Engelbert. The other's named Michael Colazzo. Two heroes. When you heroes. watch this video... You get to understand what we ask our men and women in blue to do every day. It's a remarkable video. Speed, precision, bravery in action. Go watch Rita, this video. Go along on the journey with them. Let's make sure after the show we put the video on the WABC website and credit it uh, to uh, John Solomon to, that uh, told us to do that. And uh, Absolutely. And, uh, and that way all the people can uh, find out what the hell happened. And those now, guys the other are thing, amazing. The other thing we want to do another story on, not today, but uh, I understand, and maybe I'm wrong, I hope I'm wrong, that the suicide rate on transgender is like 50%. Yeah, it's very so high. So is it the chemical imbalances that are being put into the person's body? 
Yeah, very you high. Know. We got to look into that. Okay. And John, we definitely would love you back on another day too. For thank that. you, and yeah. we'll, we'll look we'll look into, into that a little further. Thank you. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now is the great Harvard Law School professor emeritus. Yeah, he's got a brand new new book, book. appropriately called Get Trump. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, and I understand it's a bestseller on Amazon already. I'm not surprised. All of your books are big bestsellers. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, what's your reaction to what John Solomon had to say? This is blockbuster. It is. First of all, thank everybody for buying my book and thank President Trump for endorsing it. He called it a great book and said everybody should read it. And as a result of it, over the weekend, it became the number one nonfiction bestseller on Amazon. And I think if you really want to protest against what D.A. Bragg is doing, the best thing to do is buy my book. If it stays a bestseller, it'll send a message to uh, D.A. Bragg that people are watching and people are holding him accountable. Look, John Solomon is an amazing man. He comes up with stuff. What he came up with on January 6th is consistent with what we have been told and we have been given. We have videotapes also that show policemen seeming to be um, motioning people to uh, come into the Capitol. Certainly they weren't stopping them from going into the Capitol. But we haven't gotten everything. The government has been withholding information from us, and that's a violation of the Brady rule which requires the government to turn over all exculpatory material. So we're in the process of litigating on behalf of my client, who was a young law student, had good grades, finished all of his courses in law school, but his degree was withheld because he was arrested for a felony, even though he came to do what President Trump said, and that is to protest um, um, peacefully and patriotically. And he only walked into the Capitol when he was uh, motioned to do so and then walked out. As soon as he was told to leave, and now that wait, 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 wait. I got it. We're all shaking our heads. It was just a guy who just walked in and walked out, right. and he he's facing a felony, and he was motioned yeah. in. Yeah, he was motioned, and, in. and he wants to. They, they, they want to take away that. his legal career. That's right. They want to let him graduate. They want to take away his legal career. He's a wonderful young man. Look, we have agreed not to discuss the events of January 6th, because look, I didn't like the president's speech. I think Biden won the election fair and square. I didn't like the protest, but there's a First Amendment right to protest, and I don't defend people I agree with, or even I like this young man, uh, but we've agreed to disagree about the you know events that led to the protest, but that, under the American Constitution, that doesn't matter. You can protest anything. The right of the people peacefully to assemble, to seek redress from the government, that was exactly what they were doing. And they were let in. He, he had no allegation he did any damage, no allegation he cursed anybody or did anything wrong. He just went in, sat there for a few minutes in the balcony, and then left when other people left and went home. That so is amazing. And, uh, he's now his life has been destroyed. Uh, Judge Weinberg, and, you've uh, got a question, right? I think uh, there's a real problem because a lot of people are still being held, Alan, in yeah. jail under these claims that these were violent uh, rioters and, and insurrectionists. And it seems to me these tapes, as you correctly point out, are exculpatory, and there was an obligation on the part of the government to turn these over. And I understand that the January 6th committee had these in their possession yeah. and refused to they, give up the information. That's right. And they have no Brady obligation to give them up, but the prosecutors do. And if the prosecutors can get them, they have an obligation to... Uh, turn them over. And uh, 
you know, we think that these will uh, be exculpatory and and demonstrate that uh, the, that my client did nothing wrong. Look, there were some people who did do things wrong, who did destroy property, and they should be held into account for that. You can't generalize. Every case has to be handled individually. The problem I have is that judges now are terrified to do anything that is seen as pro the January 6th rioters, pro Trump. Um, in Washington, D.C., you don't want to go to a dinner party and uh, be told, oh, that's the judge that freed the January 6th uh, people or who helped Trump. Uh, it's just not acceptable in places like the District of Columbia or New York, and it affects the administration of justice. Judges are supposed to be thick skin. They're supposed to only apply the facts to the law. They're not supposed to in any way uh, involve their own personal views or their fears or anything like that. And I'm afraid that we have two standards of justice these days. Yeah, clearly. Most of the rest of us, and one for those who were seen as enablers of Trump. I was seen as an enabler of Trump, even though I voted against him. You know, recently at the rally at Waco, he said, you know, people, uh, great scholars have opposed my prosecution. Even people who don't like me have voted against me, like Alan Dershowitz. He voted against me, but he thinks this is one of the worst uh, offenses. And yeah, that's what I do. I, well, I, justice I is supposed to be equal for everybody. Uh, Governor Pataki, you got a question. No, I just uh, had a comment, but Alan uh, kind of pointed it out. You, you you said, of course, you can peacefully assemble. That's a constitutional right. But And I can't speak to the specifics of your client's case, but no, there were undoubtedly those who were violent, disruptive, and had one intention, and that was to prevent the, the vice president from being able to fulfill his constitutional duties. And they should be held uh, criminally responsible for those actions. And I just, uh, you know, I think you have to, as you said, you have to look at each case. You can't just blanketly say they were let in. It wasn't their fault. And by the way, and by the way, I think uh, Trump's inaction after urging people to go and he saw the violence occurring is something to me that is that is inexcusable. I'm probably going to lose John half his readers here, but no, I think no, okay. half his Listen, listeners. Everybody's entitled to Everybody is entitled. Everybody's entitled to America. Yeah, and, and I would ask you the question, how many of the 300 protesters that went in there for this so-called insurrection had guns? Right. The answer how is ma- zero. How many? Yeah, I know the answer. Very few. Certainly not. I thought one. I thought one. You can't have an insurrection with one gun. There were were no drawn guns. Well, there there was one. I heard there was one gun. There was one on Ashley Babbitt. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. I don't want us to be excusing the violence and the deliberate effort to prevent the vice president from carrying out its constitutional duties. No. And them screaming. Absolutely. Hang pants. Listen, I said said that the vice president was doing the right thing. Yes. I said that. Exactly right. Exactly right. And those who tried to prevent uh, the constitutional obligations being carried out, we're doing the wrong thing. But 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 Governor Pataki, they had a thousand people they've gone after so far. They just came out the other day saying they're going to go after another 1,200. Rita, I I, I agree with what uh, Professor Dershowitz said earlier, and that is that you have to look at each case individually. There are those who should be in jail and held criminally responsible. Let let me stop. I generally agree with the governor, but I disagree on this one. There should be those who should be convicted, but not in jail – Without bail, say you get somebody who went in there and yes, yeah. and did something wrong, destroyed property, but he has no record, no history of violence of any kind. That person should be convicted after a trial, but he shouldn't be held without bail pending. And the reason the they trial. don't want to re- 
we got to take a break, but the reason they don't want to give up these tapes, facial recognition equipment, how many of those were undercover cops or undercover federal agents, et cetera, et cetera, working for uh, Craig Eaton, you yeah, gotta take a break. I, I, just, I just have one comment. I, I, yeah. I think I think you hit it right on the head, Professor. Every one of these defendants, everyone that's being held, everyone that's pled guilty, everyone that's being charged has the right to look at every piece of evidence out there to determine whether or not their their client is is innocent or guilty. And I agree with the governor. Not everyone's going to be innocent, but let the tapes show. Let all the evidence be released. That's right. I agree Thank with you, you completely. Alan Dershowitz, thank you for telling the truth to the world, and God bless you. God bless America. And, by the way, and uh, congratulations, Governor Pataki. I understand you've been nominated uh, for all the good work you do in the Greek Ukraine. Well, thank you. Thank you, John. Nobel Nobel Prize. Prize. Well, thank you, John. Bravo. uh, Bravo. Bravo. I'll tell you, you, we just have a lot of good people doing good things, and— the Ukrainian people desperately need it. We're going to keep trying to help. That Thank is you wonderful. For you are awesome what you're doing, Gov. We're so Thank proud of you. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Joining us now is Congressman Josh Gottheimer uh, of the great state of New Jersey. Congressman, great to have you here on Katz and Cosby. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, but before we get started with you here, I want to play. This is an ad that we put together. I want to have you hear it before we sort of air it officially countrywide. We're going to give you a sneak peek. And of course, all of our this great is WABC a sneak peek listeners, to our entire audience, a million listeners, possibly a million listeners right now. And uh, and we like, you know, we got four lawyers in this room. I got four lawyers across from me right now. Oh, no, I'm protecting you. I'll protect you. Okay, you're you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And then we'll get opinions. 30 seconds. In times of emergency, AM radio could be your only source of information. Tesla and several other car companies are getting rid of AM radio. AM radio is a part of the emergency alert system. Certain auto manufacturers have dropped AM radio. Write your representative now. Go to wabcradio.com slash save AM radio. Sign the petition. Go to wabcradio.com slash save AM radio so congressman you just heard it is there anything you take issue with or you have a problem with i love it i love it uh you know it's spot on it's exactly what i'm worried about and what i've been sounding the alarm on and frankly i think the nearly 50 million listeners nationwide who listen to am radio every day uh will be thrilled that we're actually uh sounding the alarm on an issue that is not just about great radio which obviously there's phenomenal programming on this station and and uh, across am but it's about our public safety it's about looking out for our country and making sure that people are safe we've invested a significant amount of money in this country in backing up radio and making sure am radio uh, stations have what they need god forbid we have a national emergency like we saw 911 and 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 far too many hurricanes and and other national crises. AM radio is there. It's what we've invested in for our country. And the fact that these auto manufacturers are just willy-nilly ripping them out of their vehicles um, to save a few bucks makes zero sense to me. I've been told by reliable people that it's a they just take them out uh, just to be able to get all the signals themselves and, and create their own type of serious type of internet. 
Uh, Governor Pataki? Yeah, Congressman, thank you for uh, fighting this fight. I'm still a little in shock hearing Rita Cosby say the, the great state of New Jersey. I was expecting New York. <laughs> I'm so, so forgive but, me, Governor. Uh, yeah, you're forgiven. You're from New Jersey. I love, so, I love it, Rita. <laughs> so we'll allow that. But I'll tell you, uh, having AM radio is so critical. I have a car, and we have uh, – we have Sirius. We have the satellite. And I listen to AM all the time. And one of the things, in addition to the public safety and the emergency response that is so important, is also diversity of opinion. We have a more concentrated media, particularly the mainstream media, that tilts one way constantly. And a, 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 uh, AM radio allows you the option to go from station to station and get a very varied uh, uh, range of opinions. And to me, that's absolutely critical if we're going to have an informed electorate uh, that can make intelligent decisions on elections. Congressman, go ahead. No, well, well you know, I'm going to have to uh, disagree with the governor on which state is better, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I knew you were going to get to that, Congressman. I, I knew it. I think you're outnumbered by Congressman. Uh, I mean, come on. Says a, Brooklyn is I, 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 I think you're outnumbered. I saw Springsteen last night, so I just want to be clear where my loyalties are. Um, uh, you know, he, of, of course, the programming piece of this is critical. News, weather, talk, sports, uh, you name it, it's available on AM. And you've got people, actually more people tuning into AM uh, every month right now. Believe it or not, the numbers were going up. Um, uh, but the bottom line is we've invested in radio stations across the country as a, as a government um, to make sure, and that, that's you know, what we should be doing to make sure that this public warning system is in place and if, God forbid, you know, there's an attack, God forbid there's an incident, we know that your TV may go out, the, uh, your Internet may go out, so you're not going to have access to Sirius and other you radio You won't be able to charge your station. electric car. You won't, <laughs> be able to charge, you won't be able to charge your cell phones. They'll go out. Yeah. But AM radio is there, and it's backed up. We've used it for these purposes, which is why I've said to NHTSA, which is the Federal um, uh, Highway Trans uh, Traffic Safety Administration, why well, I said to them that AM radio should be required in all vehicles, just like an airbag, right? It's part of public safety, and this is, there's no question about it. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Joining us now here on the show is one of our favorites. He was with us in studio not too long ago, Jimmy Patronas. He is the chief financial officer of the other great state of Florida. And uh, great to have you, Jimmy. We miss you in studio. Give us the lowdown. What's the latest from Florida? Hey, Rita. I hate, I wish I was there with y'all. I had such a good time. Look, things are, are good in Florida. The legislative session is meeting right now as we speak. One of the biggest news breaks that have happened, at least, uh, that that is probably going to change the landscape pretty dramatically is is the, the tort reforms that have just been passed in Florida. Um, substantial changes in tort litigation and a number of things like the one-way attorney's fees or a number of provisions that made Florida um, rated by some groups as a judicial hellhole in the United States. I think there was probably really enough is enough. Some people may say we overcorrected. But we're trying to, to make sure that we have affordable insurance in the state of Florida. We're trying to make capital uh, attractive to come to our state because we want to be able to take care of all these New Yorkers that are moving down to the sunny state of Florida. Are are there, the governor are, are there, saying no. Are there, <laughs> are there any mortgages to be had by people that move down to Florida? <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there, there's, 
there's mortgages available, there's homes available, but uh, you know, look, it's not as cheap as it once was. I mean, with with interest rates going up, I mean, uh, I tell you, the, the the inflation has really hit the cost per square foot of construction, Mister John. You know it as as good as anybody, uh, but but still, people are moving. This past year was the fourth time in the history of the state of Florida that we broke. 400,000 net new residents. So, uh, wow. you know, it's it's amazing. Over 1,000 people a day are calling the state of Florida home now. Wow. That's wow. a big number. Uh, governor Pataki. Jimmy, Jimmy, this is George Pataki. I spent 12 years as governor up here. Now Rita's saying Florida's a great state. And Rita, <laughs> I said the other great state. Rita, let me say I agree with you. Oh. Florida is a great state. It's got great leadership, and it has zero income tax. Uh, and, and Jimmy, right. you mentioned all the people coming down from New York. You're the treasurer. Do you have any estimate as to what percent of the state revenues come from people who used to live in New York State? No, uh, but you know I can get you that number. We had, I think, $18 billion of new recurring income has moved into the state of Florida this past year. In comparison, I know the number from California, California's lost $24 billion of recurring income. That's people, that's businesses. But, you, Governor, you know as well as I do, that recurring new revenue is, is it's just a, a shot to the bottom line. Uh, we're going to see – so we have a revenue estimating conference. We, we balance our budget in Florida every year. So we have to predict the budget. So as we predict the budget, we are, we are already uh, are out, are outpacing where we should go, our goals should be, by this quarter, by $2.4 billion in new revenue exceeding the predictions we had. And, uh, and by the way, we need more Greeks in government. Appreciate your service. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, actually, everybody thinks I'm Greek, but I'm Hungarian. But that's all right. You have a little bit of Greek. I have a little bit, I have a little bit of guess. Greek, and they all voted for me. So I'm happy about yeah, it. All the Greeks you're, voted you're for enough. Governor Pataki. So, and Ed Cox, uh, chairman of New York State. So, Mr. Petronas, how do you keep your budget one half the size of New York State's budget, yet you've got two million more citizens? How do you do that? You know, it's, chief financial it's, officer. It's, it's crazy. So we we're blessed. But, but but look, we have something that you don't. Let's let me talk about Hurricane Ian for a minute. Hurricane Ian alone is going to generate, you know, it's, it's now it's one time money, but one point four billion dollars in new sales tax for the state. You pay out five hundred billion dollars in insurance claims. That's non-typical money coming to the state. So, you know, we, we've been blessed. Uh, the cash flow of the state has been strong, but also because we're only a sales tax driven economy and doc stamps, doc stamps is good right now in Florida, but we're making money off the inflation crisis right now. So again, we, we've got record revenues. We're going to probably have a record budget. The legislature's predicting right now a budget of $113 billion. Wow. You know, I want to talk with you, Jimmy. Um, one of the things that's hot, and we were just talking um, with Congressman Gottheimer about AM radio, the importance of AM radio, and the fact that electric vehicles are trying to cut out AM radio. Um, you know there's been problems. I remember you talking about because of the storms and all that stuff, all the problems yeah. with um, electric vehicles and the storms and why it's important to keep AM radio like this. Uh, you're absolutely right. You know, at the time of a disaster, the one thing that we have to fall back on that we know that we'll be able to get some type of understanding of where society is bouncing back or where safety is is through radio. And uh, you know, and you're right. I've been 
and automobiles that don't even have AM radio anymore. And, you know, they, they dropped the CD player. I get that. Everything's gone streaming. But, again, the radio is critical. I did, I did, I did about a year's worth of radio. It's powerful. But at times of a disaster, it's priceless. And also, electric vehicles aren't working, right, in the storms. You were talking about how there have been problems. That's right. So in southwest Florida, we've estimated there's 7,000 EVs that are present. We had with Hurricane Ian, we learned something from every single hurricane. And what we learned from Hurricane Ian is EVs and salt water don't mix. Um, I saw a Tesla Model X catch on fire with my own eyes. I was there on the scene. And then six hours later, it reignited. Lithium-ion batteries, once they reach that critical ignition point, they don't, they don't extinguish. You simply have to let them burn out. The best thing you do is just manage it. So if you look at with an EV, you'll see them sometimes. Firefighters will dump them in retention ponds. They'll dump them in ditches because you've got to put them somewhere where they're not going to affect anybody else, and maybe they're sitting in a water source until the, 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 the threat is, is neutralized. It's horrible. I did, a, I did a story with Matt Gutman on it with uh, Good Morning America. He brought some things to light. But, again, the EVs, in my opinion, they don't give us good solutions. Our poor firefighters are put in harm's way dealing with the fire. That the only thing you can do is put a water hose we, on We it. have that it's problem that. in New York uh, with the lithium-ion batteries on motorcycles and uh, with uh, different e-bikes. Yo, yeah, the fires, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. and uh, the uh, fire commissioner has uh, is telling them, don't leave it in your house. Now, what happens? Can you get fire insurance on your home if you leave one of those vehicles inside your garage? Well, I mean, so you should be able to. Now, look, will the there there are some uh, some liability protections. The, the electric car manufacturers will go out there to try to create some type of of, of um, you know. Uh, resistance from a or break from a lien of subrogation. But you know, if I if I'm my house burns down, I got State Farm and my insurance. The EV was responsible. By God, I'm going to go put a lien on the EV to take care of it. And this is what we had is the problem with Hurricane Ian is because we had EVs in people's houses. The first floor of the house, maybe like where the garage was, was flooded. You just cut the sheetrock out and you place it. But because the car is immobilized, because it's been flooded with salt water, the salt water has high mineral content, it shorts out the batteries. So now what's happening is you've got a house that you can salvage, but the EV is compromised. We had a house on Sanibel Island, three EVs in the house, burned it down to the ground and the neighbor's house to the ground. And there was nothing that could be done because at the time this happened, the causeway wasn't repaired yet. So fire trucks couldn't get it out there. But wow. the EVs yeah. caused the fire that destroyed the house. Well, wow. Jimmy Petronas, thank you so much for coming on today, and we'll catch up again with you real soon. And I'm coming down. Yeah, and by the way, you got to, you don't better. you have to treat us? Does he have a restaurant with like 800 seats? That's his relative. Yes. You, you, you got to come to Captain Anderson's company. Bring, bring the governor and Rita with you. We will. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. We're going to go now to Dr. Mihalos. Some very interesting developments about fish oil, blindness, life expectancy. Our great resident expert on everything. Dr. Peter Mihalos, are you with us? Yes, it's great to be with you guys. And just to continue what you talked about, the EV car fires, nobody talks about the hydrogen cyanide gas, which can kill you with a few good whiffs of it. So that's another problem. If you're stuck in traffic jam, 
and you have one of these electric car fire uh, battery fires and you take a good few whiffs of that hydrogen cyanide gas produced by the lithium, it could kill someone. So that's a big concern for all these rescue crews and the emergency teams that aren't really equipped. They're equipped for gasoline fires and they need specialized equipment, including rubberized jaws of life, because you can get electrocuted even trying to get someone out of it. And the other thing nobody's talking about with the AM, why do they want to take the AM? Because if you turn on an AM radio in the electric car, it's all interference. And why is there interference? Nobody asked the question, if it's generating an electromagnetic field that causes so much interference that you can't really even hear the AM radio so well because there isn't proper shielding, what is that electrical field doing to human cells and to our biology? And that's another question that nobody's really uh, talking about or asking about because we are electrical in nature. That's the whole basis of an MRI, electromagnetic field generated by our cells that turns into an image. And that's how we see a picture of our bodies. So what is that EMF inside the electric car doing to the AM radio and subsequently doing to our, ourselves, our children, our pets? So there's a lot of questions to be answered about the uh, long-term safety. So that should also be addressed in the issue when you're talking about AM radios and ways to shield uh, people from the EMF being uh, generated in those cars. Really interesting. Um, And Dr. Michal, as we were talking, in fact, Judge Weinberg brought this up today um, about uh, fish oil uh, helps to combat blindness. Uh, You're obviously an optometrist, so you you know this stuff well. Talk about this. Not not an optometrist. That's about eight years of training different. Um, And the ophthalmologists, optometrists uh, are eyeglass stores. Uh, uh, Ophthalmologists are people who go to Four years of college, four years of medical school. Thank you. I don't want to undersell you. Thank you. No, you are no you are the top at it. Thank you. No, no, I'm just, just letting you know the difference between the optometrist and optician is the guy who makes the glasses. I haven't and gotten glasses, glasses yet, so I don't know the difference. Not yet. Stay, <laughs> stay away from doctors and operations. What about the, the fish oil, part. doctor? Okay. <laughs> by, by, it turns out that there's something called the ARIDS formula, and it was figured out years ago that we know that The fish oil, which contains a lot of vitamin E, has been shown to slow down cataracts, and it's a powerful antioxidant that can help slow down macular degeneration, along with other antioxidants like lutein. And uh, the other one is also uh, copper and zinc have been shown. And basically, Arid's formula, if you see it on a vitamin, it's a cocktail that they give in addition to fish oil, and it seems to have protective properties against macular degeneration and other eye conditions. Macular degeneration is a buildup of waste material in the back of the eye called the retina, and having those foods in your diet helps. And the vitamin E can be found naturally in seafood and things like vitamin E and certain nuts and oils, and it's found to be very helpful. But we've known that for a while. It's also a blood thinner. That's why before surgeries, they tell you to back off on fish oil. On the molecular level, it's not known how it acts as a blood thinner, but it actually thins out your blood because when your blood is thinner, you're less likely to get strokes and heart attacks, and that improves circulation. And uh, well, the th- other thing is we, we Yeah, want real quick, if you listening. could, doctor. Yeah, no, just we want people to keep listening to WABC for health tips because the average U.S. male now only lives 74. And, and for the AM radio, years. keep that AM radio on. Absolutely. Listen to AM so you can hear more health tips and keep listening to Cats and Cause be a night to learn health tips to live longer. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
right now on Cats and Cosby, we have Andy McCarthy, of course, uh, the great former prosecutor, and also filling us in on the very latest, of course, with sort of the double standard of justice. Judge Weinberg, you and I were talking before the show about his National Review article, of course. He's a columnist for National Review, of course, a former uh, assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Talk about that, Judge, real quick. Andy, this column was Awesome. I have to tell you something. I read this and I was very upset by this because it seems to me all the decisions coming out of the U.S. District Court and District of Columbia were against Trump. They overturned or disregarded precedent. And you have a real question about the bias of the federal judges sitting in the District of Columbia. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, I think, Judge, that it also is uh, continuing. I appreciate the, the kind words. Um, I think the uh, we got a new decision today from uh, Judge Bosberg, who is now the, the chief judge of that court, who has replaced uh, Judge Beryl Howell, who is the one who made the uh, string of anti, uh, well, the string of decisions that uh, that cut for the prosecutor and against Trump, whether it was during the Mueller investigation or the later investigations. Uh, now, Judge Bosberg has ruled that uh, Mike Pence will have to testify uh, in the uh, in the in the grand jury proceeding that's looking into January 6th. I happen to think, to be fair, um, I think that was the correct legal decision. I didn't really think much of Pence's uh, argument against it. And Trump's argument uh, for executive privilege had been. Uh, rejected a number of times in that court. But uh, I would just say, overall, I wouldn't expect that trend to change. You know, I want to ask you, Andy, it's great to have you here. This is Rita Cosby. Um, Hi, Rita. Hi, Andy. I love you. And it's great to have you here on the show. You know, I want to what are your thoughts about this new development? The New York Post is reporting the last few minutes that the Trump grand jury in New York, this is the Alvin Bragg case, is not meeting the rest of the week. Uh, they're meeting, but on another case. So they're not going forward. They had uh, the guy yesterday from National Enquirer, David Pecker, sort of the rebuttal witness to Bob Costello, who we had here on the show. National he, Enquirer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where's this going? Well, you know, Rita, I, I think what I've been saying to people all along is that, you know, Bragg walked away from this case once already. Uh, and this was mothballed until he was kind of mouthed into bringing it back, in part because uh, Mark Pomerantz and another prosecutor who quit the case, um, you know, uh, went public with their disagreement with him. Pomerantz wrote a book, and the left put a lot of pressure on uh, Bragg to revive this thing. But he's always had misgivings about it because he knows it's a weak case, and he also knows that, you know, to turn it into a felony. He would need to do something he doesn't have jurisdiction to do, which is enforce federal campaign finance law. And even if he could do that, I don't think he's got a case that Trump actually committed a campaign finance violation. So he's got an evidence problem, too. I think Bragg, you know, his his orientation is against prosecution. Uh, He'd love to get Trump on something, but he also doesn't want to be embarrassed. I think probably, I mean, we're not there, but we could we could infer that Bob Costello's appearance uh, shook him a bit and probably reminded him of why he had misgivings about this case in the first place. Andy. And, you know, uh, he may not indict it. Andy, there's another issue, too. It's a separation of powers issue about this prosecution interfering with a federal presidential campaign. What do you say about that? 
Well, I don't. I don't think that Bragg has authority under the penal laws of New York uh, to to enforce the federal campaign finance laws. He can enforce the New York campaign finance laws, but they don't uh, apply to presidential elections. And I'm trying to be fair on this. I mean, I've I've defended Bragg, even though I think he's wrong, like eight ways to Sunday here, in the sense that I don't think the federal congressmen, the, the, these chairs of the you know Republican controlled committees in the House, I don't think they have any authority to conduct oversight of Bragg's office, which is you know the office of a sovereign state prosecutor. Uh, I think it works both ways, but I don't. He doesn't have any right to enforce federal law. Uh, Andy Edcox here. The, this is a long time ago. How about the statute limitations? I understand for the New York misdemeanor, it is two years. Right. Yeah, Ed, I think that's the reason he's struggling so hard to try to make it a felony, because he needs a felony to get it to five years. The problem is, even if he gets the felony, um, I'm, I'm not sure that saves him, because now what we're talking about is a transaction that happened mainly in 2017. He might be able to spin it into 2018 for, you know, on the theory that the business records generated tax records when, you know, 2017 had to get closed out the next year. But he's playing a lot of games to try to get that statute extended. Yeah, he sure is. Well, Andy McCarthy, thank you for being with us.